This is The Guardian. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Just a warning, there is some swearing in today's episode. First, Taylor Swift's Eras tour hit the big screen. And now, Renaissance is coming. Create the new. That's what the Renaissance is about. Why are pop stars turning their tours into films? And we're talking to R&B singer Mahalia ahead of her UK tour. You're listening to Pop Culture with me, Shantae Joseph, your British Podcast Awards rising star for The Guardian. Hello, guys. We're going to switch up for today's episode. It's the remix. There is so much going on in the world of music. So we're going to try and cover some of it with The Guardian's music editor, Ben Beaumont-Thomas. Ben, thank you so much for coming back on. I feel like we could actually just host this podcast together, you know? I feel like we could be a duo. This is, we're going to spin it off. Do you know we're what I gonna... mean? But anyway, I have you on because Beyonce has dropped a trailer for Renaissance, the film, which is going to be out in cinema. She's taken the whole show and she's turned it into this very beautiful um, documentary slash film. When I am performing, I am nothing but free. It's just giving you that sort of like emotive, like emotional, intense feelings. You're watching this star work so hard to create a show that we all loved. I obviously went to the Renaissance tour. I love Beyonce. I'm a stan. But this whole turning your tour into a film slash documentary is not new. We've kind of seen it with Billie Eilish. We're professionally filming this entire show. J-Lo did it for when she was performing at the halftime show at the Super Bowl. This camera got me. <laughs> but I'm also saying that the camera got me. Because I can do all of that at the same time. Why are artists doing this? Like, is there a demand for us to see the BTS? Or are they basically just trying to find ways to continue to monetize their performances? Yeah, I mean, yeah, in a cynical way, there is a bit of monetizing. And, you know, Taylor Swift's Eras Tour, which is obviously a massive one that's coming up soon, 
made something like $37 million in the first day it went on sale in pre-sale tickets. So, you know, you can make, if you're an artist of that level, you can make a serious amount of money. I don't think it's that these artists are being totally craven. I think there Mm. is a real desire to be evangelistic about this amazing work that they've created and let as many people see it as possible. And, you know, as you'll see in the comment section of any social media posts that these artists do, it's full of people clamoring, please come to invariably Brazil. (laughs) Brazil. (laughs) Um, Lots of places do get left off these big world tour joints. And it is unfair for those fans. I think this is a lovely way for those fans to get access to it. And also it is a kind of potentially really exciting creative outlet in itself. You can be cinematic. I'm wondering if there's something different about our relationship with celebrity and with shows today that make it more viable than it did back in the days? I think what's interesting is it's coming after a few years of these kinds of warts and all documentaries about Mm. music stars. We've had like um, the Katy Perry one, more recently the Lewis Capaldi one. Those types of films are are fascinating and they give this real insight into the world of celebrity and they're very humanising and so yes. we relate to these artists more and the, the artists realise that relatability is such a key kind of asset to them these yeah. days. I think I've never been more insecure in my life than I am now. And I think that's got worse than more successful I've got. No sense. These concert films are sort of waxing in the other way now bringing back in fantasy, they're bringing back in splendor, they're bringing back in sheer creativity and they're sort of sloughing off the grittiness of mm-hmm. the of the sort of warts and all documentary. So I think, I think there's a little bit of a, a wanting, particularly post-pandemic, to re-embrace the, the joy and, and fantasy and wonder of, of the live concert experience. There's a really good example actually out in cinemas at the moment of a really the originator of the kind of concert film as we know it today, which is Stop Making Sense by Talking Heads, mm. which was directed by Jonathan Demme. Hi. Got a tape I want to play. And this is this absolutely sensational concert film that begins with David Byrne sort of alone on a stage and then the rest of the Talking Heads kind of filter on and you gradually have this huge band experience. You feel like you're right in the audience and it's the camera's turning around to face the audience and everyone's just vibing and dancing. It's, yeah. You really feel part of it. But yeah, I think that, that that was a very influential film in terms of you can just sit in a cinema and watch a concert and that'll be entertaining. And you can do these things with it that are, that are creative, that are irreverent. I think that's probably year zero for a lot of these directors and artists. The thing that I found really impressive one of the many, many things I found <laughs> impressive about Renaissance, which I could go on all day, but was actually how Beyonce responded to the camera. So I saw it mm. at, at Tottenham Stadium in London and, and it was being obviously filmed for the big screens so that the people in row ZZ could, could see it. And sometimes when you see a show like that, you, they, you can kind of feel like they've forgotten about the audience. Mm. Something about what Beyonce did was just so captivating was that she had this life-giving presence that that she presented directly into the camera and yet it kind of flowed beyond it I was like wow that is something that only a kind of that level of star is capable of doing that conjuring and sort of puppet mastering everything at once (laughs) 
Tupac is in the news again. And I have this really funny story of when I was in school, I got sent to my head teacher because I basically started to spread this rumor that Tupac was actually still alive. He's just living off the grid in a cave. And <laughs> I just was telling everyone in school this and they obviously found it really funny. And I got in trouble for it. But also like there are so many Tupac conspiracy theorists out there. And I feel like maybe a lot of their beliefs will be brushed aside now because we've just seen that you know, there's been an update in in the case of his murder. I like to think that all of those conspiracy theories actually stemmed from from you. From me, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, it's just I word of mouth, it. and then went online, sort of proto <laughs> social media, <laughs> and then yeah, you've got a lot to answer for. Yeah, it, this is an extraordinary moment because you would never think that in an era where you know sort of DNA evidence, CCTV evidence, so much more primitive than it is now, is back in 1996 that Tupac was shot and killed that you would think that it would be possible for a breakthrough like this to come in this case, but it has. And a man called Dwayne Davis has been um, arrested and charged with his murder. And what, what makes this even more remarkable and unique is that Davis has been incredibly open about his role on that evening. It's one of the most kind of high profile examples of hubris I can really remember. He has been talking about his presence in the car that was alleged to have been chasing Tupac and then shots to have been fired from it. Mm. He, he has spoken openly about being in that car numerous times before. He writes about it in his memoir at some length. In many ways, only has himself to blame for yeah. his arrest. And, and the prosecutors in this case have, have referred to his being very open about this. If this comes to trial, you know, his own memoir will be, will be used uh, as an item of evidence, which is really, I can't think of a, a time when that has ever happened before. And do you feel like this means it's kind of the end of all of the Tupac conspiracy theories? Without wanting to disparage your uh, <laughs> school-age self, I don't think that any of the Tupac you know, conspiracy theories have ever really had that much credence and have ever been something that have sort of been, been mainstream. The fact that they exist goes to show just what a kind of hold he still has on our imagination because of his artistry and obviously artistry that was really so violently cut short. We need to talk about Bobby Altoff. And for Guardian listeners who don't know, Bobby Altoff is a mum influencer turned podcaster and she hosts a huge podcast called The Really Good Podcast. It has millions and millions of views on TikTok. She's had Drake, she's had Little Yachty on, and she has this very awkward interview style that is very reminiscent of Amelia de Moldenberg's Chicken Shop Dates, but in a more American and even more awkward way. I don't even know how that is possible. But most recently, she had Offset on. And this clip went viral for all the wrong reasons. Damn, I'm trying to get you to play. You lost in the sauce. You ain't shaking my hand. We finna get you to, to 25 million. You know what I'm saying? Just a little sprinkle Have a great day of seasoning. Offset. Just a little seasoning. All right, you can, you can leave now. Ben, I stand you on Twitter. Like, you could literally tweet a picture of a potato and I'll be like, this is the most profound discussion on agriculture and music <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. I'd be like, it's amazing. But you don't actually tend to get into a lot of that daily sort of discourse. You kind of hop in and out. 
Yeah, so I was I was moved to do my probably you know one of my ten tweets a year <laughs> yeah. by seeing this um, Bobby Althoff and Offset interview because she is sort of interviewing him and is kind of pretending that she doesn't know who he is. It appears incredibly jaded and bored by the entire experience. Your teeth are like the same color as your your bones. Did you know that? My bones. Not yours, bones. In general, I saw that on a TikTok. And this just really ground my gears because mm. I spend so much time as music editor trying to get access to stars of Offset's caliber and do really interesting interviews with them. And then have, you know, briefing my writers to this is what we should talk about, getting those writers to get to the heart of what makes that person them and their artistry and their fears and their loves and their joys and their difficulties. And, you know, the stuff of a really great interview. Mm. And she's just kind of trashing that and that was really difficult to watch because I just I you know she obviously as you mentioned she interviewed Drake I've been trying to interview Drake for ever since I became music editor in 2017 <laughs> and like I've you know been jaded from from being told no so many times <laughs> and so then to see him be interviewed by her was 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 calling <laughs> and humbling today I'm here with can you introduce yourself Drake that's not your name I respect her for getting that interview because she'd done an interview, uh, one of, Drake had seen one of her previous interviews, which was very funny. And he sort of reached out to her and mm. she kind of essentially set it up independently of any kind of press person or team or anything like that. So, you know, credit to her for that. Her shtick can be very entertaining. You know, she just interviewed Jason Derulo, a very ridiculous individual. <laughs> I, I, I like Jason. But yeah, a sort of self-consciously silly person. And and you may know that Jason Derulo has a habit of singing his own name on songs. <laughs> Jason Derulo. <laughs> and she was asking him, like, have you ever just sung Jason Derulo at someone in a party just apropos of nothing? Mm. And he sort of thinks for a moment. And you can tell that he definitely has done that. <laughs> yes. And she's like, are you thinking, are you singing Jason Derulo in your, in your head, head right now? And he's like, yes. <laughs> and it's a very, very sort of sweet, funny moment. And her deadpan, cool style worked brilliantly then. I feel like you're singing it in your head right now and you want to. You're holding back. <laughs> it's playing in your head right now. Is it? <laughs> It actually was. I knew that. And she's very open in interviews about how this is a shtick. It is a persona of a kind of totally jaded crap journalist who's just awkward and not very good at their job. Yeah. And so it is kind of in that Zach Galifianakis between two ferns. The problem with it is, is that we're in a world where sites for music journalism are closing all the time. You yeah, know, o OK Player. OK Player, um, laid off all of its editorial staff last week, for example. You know, Vice has been layoffs. A huge number of paper obviously folded and, and has re-unfolded. The, the world of music journalists trying to do interviews with artists that are really searching and powerful is a really, really difficult one. And I can see how it winds a lot of people up to mm. have this kind of purely jaded anti-interview style at a time when the kind of what I like to think of as the real craft of journalism is is struggling. Ben, thank you so much for joining me. It's been as a pleasure. Always. Thank you. Guys, listen. 
Ben has brain cells for days. He's my absolute fave. And I also love The Guardian's music journalism. So if you want hot takes and in-depth, well-researched interviews that don't have any of that awkward nonsense, then make sure you head to theguardian.com forward slash music. Let's take a hot set and... You're listening to Pop Culture with Shante Joseph. And after the break, it's going to be me, Mahalia. Thanks, Icon. Slay. Finding your perfect home was hard. But thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. We're back, Hans. Mahalia ain't no joke. Her relatable music has soundtracked so much of my 20s. She's a multi-award winning R&B act and has made a huge name for herself in the industry since signing her first record deal at 13. I am such a big fan of this queen because she's not afraid to speak her mind when it comes to body image, the hard financial realities of being a musician, and even the way that British R&B is treated. She has opinions. So we got her to our studio ahead of her UK tour, which starts on Sunday. Touring? It's very hard to eat clean. So what it's I'm like mad to like do. donuts. I think of I think of like you know on sets <laughs> where they just have like <laughs> nice sweet donuts in the corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like AOD. no vegetables at all. They're like, what's a vegetable? It's a donut. But like you read, you raise an interesting point. We've kind of seen with Adele, with yeah. so many celebrities, even yourself included. Yeah midway through the tour getting so ill that they can't continue and I wonder what it is about touring that basically creates this kind of burnout that makes you sick the only thing that I maybe can put it down to is that you I mean it depends on what level you're touring I tour on a bus with 10 guys and if one person gets sick it's kind of over for yeah, everyone. So yeah. it's really important that everybody stays good, like up and good and keeps fueling their immune system in the right way. But I don't know if anybody really knows. Yeah. And when you have to announce that a tour or a show is being cancelled, talk to me about that feeling, that anxiety, because I think there's a huge demand on, people feel like a sense of ownership over you. Yeah. And so then when you can't deliver for them in a certain way, yeah. you kind of see that, what do you mean? What do you mean? And people like, get 
angry. Do they? People get really angry. When you're in a territory like the States, like North America, people usually are traveling from really far. Right. So they have travel plans set up. They maybe have a hotel booked. Like people usually are traveling like six or seven hours in the car. Canceling out there. The, the anxiety is very real because you know that people are probably traveling. That feeling is very difficult. And I think when I see artists maybe online talking about it and saying, I'm completely heartbroken, all I can say is they are. Yeah. The feeling of canceling a show and knowing that you can't do it, because also I think most of us push through. Yeah. I definitely have done too many shows that I shouldn't have done. And I think I'm learning that now after kind of working in speech therapy and working with a vocal coach. I've explained to my vocal coach many times that I've done shows when I have either tonsillitis or I've lost my voice or whatever. No. And he is always like, you cannot do that. People need to go a little bit easier on artists. Yeah, I can imagine as well. People are very like hype online. You <laughs> kind of see it. And stand culture is just like yeah, it's crazy. rabid on the internet. It's so crazy. when things are cancelled, you really see it. And also because touring is such a huge part of the income of an artist. So it's yeah. like you don't actually really want to be cancelling those shows anyway. No. So it's like you're you're doing it because you are pushed to the point where you have to. Not because you're like, oh, you know, I just woke up feeling yeah. a bit unbothered a today. Yeah. So I'm going to cancel my tour. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Definitely. And I want to talk a bit about your experience or your time in the music industry. So you've been signed since you were 13. Yes. And at that age, did you kind of understand the, the magnitude of what it meant to be signed to a label? I don't think so. I don't even know if you can. Yeah. It's like, I don't really know if you really understand anything at 13. It's like <laughs> everything is so quick and, and it moves fast. And you know that pace of being that age where one minute you're playing the guitar, next minute you want to be a footballer, next mm. minute you're... So I don't think I understood it at all. My friends definitely didn't either. I remember coming into school and kind of going, guys, I've been signed to Atlantic Records and everybody going, what's that? <laughs> like that was... I mean, I'm also from a really, really small, small town in Leicester, so we like very much lived in our own bubble, but I had no idea. And I, and I don't think I really understood it until I kind of made the move to, to London and... And at that point, I was 18. So mm -hmm. it was there was a good five years of me not really understanding that I'd signed this contract and I was, you know, contractually obliged to kind of create music and make albums. I don't think I understood that yeah. at all. I thought I was going to go to university. Do you think if you didn't kind of pursue music and you maybe went along with one of the other things that were were kind of like cultivating your interests, what what would that be? Where would you be now if you weren't doing music? I've thought about this so many <laughs> times. I think as an artist, I don't know if if everybody's aware, really. But I think there are so many sacrifices that are made to push forward with a career like this, especially as a woman. I think there's a lot of things that we as women think about from a really early age, whether it be a family or a husband or a partner or or a career. Like, there's a lot of things that I think I probably let go of thinking about because I was so focused on being an artist and making that successful if I'm being totally honest with myself and I really think about the person that I am I probably would still be in Leicester I probably would have like ended up with my like high school sweetheart I'm very much that girl yeah I probably would have a baby right now maybe being a teacher my therapist describes it as these kind of two worlds that are mm. always pulling and they're polar opposites but you know that's like that's like Mahalia in the like multiverse. Yeah, multiverse madness. Spider-Man, <laughs> shout out Spider-Man. We know there are issues that come with being an artist. Yeah. And for you, what would you say the kind of biggest struggle is as an artist? Like day-to-day, -day, 
how you navigate your life. At the time when I signed, the type of deal that I signed, it was pretty standard. I I signed a three album firm deal when I was 13, which means I have to make three albums with the label that I'm with before I can be let go. Mm. And there is a kind of standard way of how it works. You get paid in advance and then as you move forward, you make money for the label and then once that advance is paid back or once the money that has been spent is paid back, you then start making money off of your music. Obviously, I signed so young. So it wasn't like I didn't really start doing well in, in my music or just selling music until I was about 20. So that's a good seven years of spending money, which means that I'm kind of going further and further and further back into, we say debt, but it's not really, it's not as simple as a debt, but it's just you go further and further back, which means you have longer to go. Yeah. Yeah. What things are like kind of very, very expensive? Well, anytime that I go and write music in a studio, the studio has to be booked. Most studios in London are like £400 up a day. And then you're talking five days a week for a year. And oh my I, God. Yeah, and like when I'm making my album, I, I'm in the studio most days. Mm. Probably Monday to Friday for the whole year. And I live in East London, so chances are I'm going to be working in probably in Shoreditch, where a lot of the studios are in East, or in Hackney. Those studios are expensive studios. Yeah, I can imagine. Hashtag gentrification. So mm-hmm. those studios cost anywhere from 650 to 850 a day. But... It's different in every single deal. Mm. You might have some costs that you don't have to pay back. Some people might have some. I I heard a horrendous story recently of this girl I know who has therapy through her label. And that is a cost that has to be paid back. But why? what's the point of even getting it through the label then? Why doesn't she just do it herself? Well, I think, well, I kind of get it because then you're not fronting it. It's all about the deal that you sign. And right. I I actually think... I work with a brilliant label. I think I have a brilliant team. I think I'm really lucky with the people that I work with. I just think that I might be in a slightly archaic deal because it's almost 13 years old. Yeah, exactly. You know? What I also just really want fans to know is don't be upset when you see your favourite artist on Instagram taking a picture in a nice trainer and then mm. putting ads because I'm, we have to do something. Like, And everyone does it, though. Everybody does it. And we have to... I think what it's about as artists, is just ensuring that anything we do like that, whether it's a brand deal or a partnership, just making sure that it aligns with who you are as a person. And do you know how you kind of decide who you want to work with or not want to work with? Are there certain, like, maybe, like, brands that do, like, practice certain ethical practices that you decide you want to, like, join with? How it usually works, or, like, how it worked for me was when I got set up with my branding team, they'll give you, like, a questionnaire. Okay. And you'll go through everything. So like, you know, uh, ethics, morals, things that you like, things that you don't like. I think we try to like know what we like and not what we don't like. But honestly, it's about having a really great team of people around yeah. you to understand what is going to work for you. Yeah. And if something stupid was brought to me, like a like a weight loss lollipop. Oh, yeah. That would never come to me. Yeah, exactly. You know, because because there are people in front going, sorry, that's not going to happen. Weight loss lollipops, absolutely insane. <laughs> Let's talk about body image. Yes. Let's talk about body image in the public eye, yes. especially as a female artist. Like you kind of spoken a lot about a sacrifice, especially as a woman. And I think one of the things you do sacrifice when you decide to take up a career like a singer or just someone who's very public facing is like, you kind of like sacrifice that sort of privacy that other people might get in terms of having like a private Instagram, like not being known by hundreds of thousands of people, like not being perceived by hundreds of thousands of people and having to receive their opinions on you and on your body and on your hair and whatnot. And how do you, as someone who is like very visible, deal with 
the insanity online where people just feel entitled to tell you about <laughs> I love how you look and your body and whatnot. I have never been tiny. I've kind of always been, I, I've kind of always looked this way, basically. So when I was really young, my boobs came in really early. I was definitely always, I was always the kind of fastest growing amongst me and my girlfriends. And I was always curvy, like my mum and like my grandma and like all my aunties. I, I, like, I've always looked this way. I've obviously fluctuated as I've gotten older, but like really these are my bones. And yeah. and so I got a lot of those comments in school, you know, like I would have boys kind of making jokes about my belly or my boobs and I would have girls talking about my my like huge ass in school. Part of me, I think sometimes now is like, just say something original. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you say something original, I might get offended. So I think sometimes people say comments that I might already have thought about myself or I don't know, it, it just doesn't, it's never cut me in the way that I have seen it cut other artists. Yeah. But you just seem like you have a very strong like sense of self. And I yeah. feel like when you're like kind of anchored and you are very confident, yeah. then all of the things that come in like don't tend to bother you. And I think it's it's really interesting you saying like you experienced all this stuff in school. And so in a weird way that kind of gave you a protective layer to Maybe, deal yeah. with. It's kind of like getting the cue. Just kind of on this topic, it was, it was during COVID, I had posted a picture and there were a lot of comments about my, my, my boobs, which I had always kind of gotten in a positive way. And for some reason, this one picture had, offended all of these boys but I went for a consultation to get a breast reduction I went in I kind of didn't really know why I was there my boyfriend was with me and he was he was definitely like against it but he's a very sweet man and he's kind of you know it's your body and you should do whatever you want to do but mm. he was with me and I went in and, and it's funny because the doctor was kind of like you don't seem like you want to do this and I was yeah. like no I really do like you know I want to do this and then I and then I remembered finishing our consultation and he said I can't operate on you until you quit smoking basically so this is back when I was still a smoker and so I left the room I called my mum my mum cried first of all my mum cried and just kept saying I, I don't like you you're perfect I don't want you to do this I don't you don't need to do this mm. I was very uh, amateurist, so I was very stubborn in myself, and I said, no, I want to do it. So six weeks, I went, I quit, I quit smoking. But then I got to the end of the six weeks, and somehow, after I'd quit smoking, I was like, I don't, I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. I've quit smoking, I feel healthier, I can breathe when walking upstairs. Mm. My body feels cleaner, even though, it, you know, it wasn't, and it takes years to get rid of that tart, but mm. I felt different and I felt like I was like something about all of that happening allowed me to make a really positive change yes. to, to my life so I called the doctor and I said I'm good Cancel it. and now I'm like oh my god thank god <laughs> <laughs> so so you know I think people online do affect us and mm. there are moments when we do have moments of going oh my god I need to change this but I think what's really important is taking time and I think if you are an anchored strong-willed person you'll figure it out Oh, Mahalia is such a queen. Be sure to go and check her out and get tickets to her live show. I hope you enjoyed what you heard today. And listen, I know you did because I am so happy to say that I, Shantae Joseph, won the Rising Star Award at the British Podcast Awards last week. And I just 
I want to thank you all so much for listening and supporting me in this podcast journey. I've loved every single moment of it and I'm so grateful to be at The Guardian. And I would not be here without Maz and Hattie, my producers who put up with me every single week. I love you guys. The Guardian's Today in Focus also won a gold for best news and current affairs. So basically, I won twice. Yay for me. Yay for Today in Focus. I want to thank the award-winning team for this week's episode, produced by Hattie Moyer, sound design by Mal Lissetto, original music by Axel Coutier, and the executive producer is Maz Evtaj. See you next Thursday. This is The Guardian. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com work. Shopify.com work. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.